everyone. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in from Orlando, we've got Mr. Austin Hare. How are you doing today, Austin? Doing well. Thanks for having me today. My pleasure. So Austin is a very accomplished real estate entrepreneur. He's a podcaster. He's been involved in all sorts of different kinds of real estate investing. And these days, he's into a very, very interesting niche and that is working with health professionals and helping them to get into their own commercial space. So Austin, tell me a little bit, how did you get into that specific niche? Because it is pretty specific and, and what have you found to be the big the big benefits of focusing on that? Yeah. Uh so you're right. It, it is super specific, super, super niche. But the, the way that I got into it was that I was a um fitness entrepreneur. So I had a couple gyms that I owned, little fitness centers around Orlando. And I was looking to, I had three locations. I was looking to expand to several more. And I was using someone to help me go and look for locations. And it's the, my now current partner. But at the time, you know, I just, when I was working with them, they really liked the way that they broke down all the data. It was very analytical. It was everything from obvious things like, you know, density and income and, and population density, all that kind of stuff. But then a lot of things that I never really thought about before, like your number of Predators per population and combining those with the Google reviews. And then how close are you from like, you know, synergistic users or anchor centers or whatever. And so what we did was we put all those out on a graph, we plotted them and gave them different rankings and different scores for each of those different rankings. And then it made the data very clear. And so I was like, wow, like it was interesting. Like, you know, working on looking at it through that perspective, I had really good clarity into where I wanted to go and locations that I had felt good about ended up looking not so good. Locations that I didn't have any emotional feeling about ended up looking a lot better. And mm -hmm. so thankfully I was able to sell the gyms in 2019 before COVID. That was very lucky. Wow. Yeah. And, that's true. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I, I had always been, not always been, but like I had been investing for a while in commercial real estate as a limited partner. And I had also bought some residential properties along the way, and I had converted those into Airbnbs. And so I had an interest in real estate. I had some experience in that sense. But that's when I really started working from the general partner side of things. And so his specialty for, you know, for like 14 years now, my partner and um, the rest of the guys that we work with have been doing retail healthcare. And so, you know, the, the premise is, the theme is that like, there's just an, they're an underserved kind of niche. Mm -hmm. And when you look at, you know, you go back historically, the mom and pop foods, the fast food chains, yeah. you know, back in the 50s and 60s, they were popping up everywhere. And it was the ones who like really started taking good real estate on hard street corners, great visibility and great drive-by traffic and good locations. Like they started to really do well and they started to get consolidated. And then now look how big that industry is, right? And then you have like the pharmaceuticals, like Eckerd's and what, what you know, Walgreens, CVS, those guys start to take it. And then in the 70s and 80s, or, or really, it was kind of like the 90s and 2000s, you kind of saw it with the banks. Urgent cares were kind of around that same time. And then now we do a lot with dental, which has been a lot later. And you see dental taking these big prominent corners. And so really what we try and do is just help give data to the feeling and help people who are in healthcare in any capacity. And we don't do just healthcare. I mean, we've done entertainment. We, we're doing, we're working with banks right now too, but it's like putting numbers behind the feeling to help them really get the best spot that's going to help them in their business. Because you might end up paying a little bit more in rent for these high places, but what's going to happen is you're going to pay less in your digital marketing dollars, right? And a lot of times people don't think about it in those terms. So, and then of course, like there's the investing side of it, which is where we buy the buildings. I'm half of tenants and we invest in them and we'll make money on, on the upside from the opportunity. So, so yeah, yeah that's, that's huge. And I never really thought about it that way. So you guys have taken a very, very scientific approach to, 
to the whole location, location, location thing with real estate investing. And what you're using it, what you're showing your clients is that location is in a certain way, part of their marketing budget. Like they're, they might be paying more to be in that location, but their traffic exactly. is going to be so much greater. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, a story of a guy that we helped. He was paying around $3,000 a month in rent and he wasn't, his business wasn't doing good. We relocated him not very far, the other side of the freeway. He was in Georgia and into a more prominent center. His rent went from 3000 to 10000 So, you know, from a percentage wise, yeah. you're tripling and it's very scary, but he doubled his business. He doubled his practice revenue. Right. And so as a percentage, that rent factor still was like relatively small in terms of his overall expenses, but he doubled his entire income. And so it's like looking at it in, in those types of terms and getting past the emotion to really like help them find the best. Well, well I guess we'd have to see what his original income was in, yeah. in comparison. <laughs> That's true. Because if he went from six grand to 12 grand, which I obviously did, but yeah, that, but it definitely makes a big, big difference. Yeah. That I would imagine. So what kind of, was he a dentist or what was he? He was a, a family practice. Family practitioner. Yeah. So we're talking, you know, we're talking millions of dollars a year in revenues yeah. and yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That makes a big difference. Exactly. Yeah, the whole exactly. Thing exactly. So, he was he was below a million dollars in revenue before, and then I believe he bumped up to above a million dollars after. So I mean, significant significant numbers. And then the other thing too is sometimes when groups are are growing, they like if you you know whether it's urgent care or dental or whatever, a lot of times they have strict directions to buy the businesses. And so what happens is you might come to a place like if a dental group wants to acquire an individual practice, the practice might be owned like both the practice and the real estate might be owned by the doctor. Right. And they right. might want to sell that real estate as part of the transaction. And the group physically can't buy it, right? They're physically, they have the directive of what to do with the money. Maybe it's private equity, maybe it's family office, whatever that money is, they have specific, you know, metrics for that. And so they right. physically can't buy the real estate. So we'll come in and we'll buy the real estate on their behalf in order to help them, you know, facilitate that transaction as well. And for the investors that are involved, and that's where we take investment for the investors that are involved in that, then the upside is significant as well. Yeah. So walk us through how that might work because that from the investor's standpoint. So in this case, you and your investors would go in and you buy the property, your client would buy the business, you would become, you and your investors would in essence become the, the landlords. How are you able in that case to kind of bump up the value of the asset or are you just kind of buying yeah. it? No, no, we are. Great question. So, you know, in commercial real estate, it's very different than residential real estate, which is based strictly on the location. Commercial real estate is based on the cash flow and it's based on the strength of the tenant. So that means is you could have a tenant paying $100,000 a year in rent, but if that's a mom and pop, you know, like I was a great example when I owned the, the, the gyms, right? Like I was a mom and pop, like fitness store owner. Like I was not commanding a good price for that building. Like I wasn't providing, you know, I was like, I would consider high risk. So my $100,000, in rent that I would pay might make the building worth a million dollars if you're factoring that at a at a ten percent you know cap rate a ten percent rate of capitalization. So if somebody like a large dental group in this example were to come in and take over that same space, pay that same hundred thousand dollars, well you're going that's a lot safer bet, right? The risk is much 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 lower. Investors pay more for that. Now you would lower that cap rate would go from could potentially go from a ten percent cap rate. A five percent cap rate, and so you're essentially you're doubling the value of the building. Now you're looking at a two million dollar 
value. And so it's the same thing when you are, when you have an individual practice who's selling their real estate, you know, a lot of times they're, it's valued based on the lease that they've signed as an individual operator, which right. is going to be like an eight and a half percent cap rate or so. And when a big, you know, much bigger institutional player comes in, if they've got dozens of locations, then that cap rate is going to be much smaller. So you, you know, you could go from a eight and a half to 9% cap rate down to a six and a half or a 6% cap rate, which, you know, we did the math just a moment ago, you can start to see how much that really increases it. And so what we do is we, we buy from the individual dentist, right? The value based on him leasing it. And then we get the lease signed from the organization in order to increase the value of that building. And so money, you know, significant money can be made on the upside and um, that's where investors can be taking that as well. That's a fascinating idea. Hold that thought for a second. Hi there, this is Dave DeBow, and real estate investors hire me to raise capital the right way. Why? Because most of them are stuck with too small of a portfolio, and they don't know how to attract investors and raise money for their deals. So I help them to connect, capture, and close their ideal money partners. Bottom line, when you've got a deal, you're going to have the capital to do it. So go ahead and book a no-cost capital clarity session with me at bookachatwithdave.com. Again, that's book at chatwithdave.com. I had no clue. That is that is <laughs> fascinating. That really is. <laughs> it is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It is it is crazy, you know. And it's just unless you really get into that world, you just don't know. You just don't understand, you know, kind of like the nuances of what investors are looking for yeah. in terms of real estate, a commercial real estate and, and the uh, tenants. Well it's it's fascinating because it's forced appreciation not based on anything you've done to the property itself. It's completely right. based on the new tenant and the risk level of that tenant as a long-term tenant in that property. I, yeah, that's fascinating. Very, very cool stuff. So how did you kind of, I mean, it, it's a, it sounds like you're a pretty analytical kind of guy. You were dabbling in real estate. You were doing the whole fitness thing. How did that light bulb just kind of, I mean, you, you went through this with these guys to help you find new locations what was like the eureka moment for you or when the angel sang and said, Hey, this <laughs> I'm getting out of, I'm getting out of the fitness biz. I'm getting into this. Yeah. You know, a couple of things, my partner, you know, he, he and I kind of, like I told you earlier that we, you know, he was helping me out find locations and stuff like that, but to go into more depth on that story, he invited me out to like a Tony Robbins event mm-hmm. and we just, and I decided to go and we just got along really well. We were both kind of into that you know, self-improvement, if you will, or, or like that, that ed- self-education type thing yeah. and clicked a lot. And so it was during actually Tony Robbins event that he really realized like, Hey, you know, as the broker, we're the ones who are identifying all this valuable real estate and all these valuable locations. And he was seeing guys go out and execute the strategy where it's like, you're bringing the value and the landlord is kind of reaping the benefits. So yeah. why don't we just partake on both sides? Now, of course, it's a really easy, you know, when I say it, like that, um, it all sounds like, oh yeah, that's a no-brainer, blah, 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 but it's much uh, easier said than done because really to find the Rolodex of tenants to be able to represent, that's where it really takes a lot of time. And that's, that's where I started getting involved is bringing in new clients to do business for because you know, you're really you at the whim of, of the tenant. You have to prove yourself with them. You have to have experience. You have to get them to trust you. And so, and it's like, and they're not accredited tenants are not a dime a dozen, right? It's not very that difficult to find someone who's got like one location or two locations or even yeah. four or five locations, but they're not, you know, until you really start getting into that 10 million in EBITDA, annual EBITDA and above, you know, you're really not going to start to see cap rate compression. So there's just a lot of guys, like most people who are doing commercial real estate and are looking to rent spaces, by far, most of them are not going to be what you consider accredited. And so you're- No, they'll, they'll take anybody, right? They're, they're, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. Like, like the way you guys have dialed that in. So what would you, what would you say now? So you've been doing this for a couple of years and primarily before the business was a brokerage, right? A commercial brokerage looking to find tenants, good spots. What percentage has the business switched from that to you guys actually bringing on investors and buying properties? What would you, what's your best guess on that? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're still mostly doing a lot of brokerage because you just simply can't develop everything. Right. And so we do love the development. Like that's, that's our focal point, but we're, there's too many opportunities to, to just pass up on. So we still do like, we still love brokers. We still do a lot of that. And so, you know, I would say it's still probably most of our time is still spent on the brokerage side, but it's definitely shifting more and more and more towards the development side as we you know acquire more properties and as we grow and stuff like that. Very cool. Now, just out of personal curiosity, Austin, what have you done to find these A plus type tenants? What did you call them? Accredited tenants? Yeah, accredited tenants. I love it. So what's working well for you for finding these kind of tenants? Because they sound like the dream, the dream folks. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, it's been interesting. Historically, it's always been through live events. And so last year, those were all shut down, you know, and we weren't able to do any live events. So um, oh, it's no, really sorry, been... sorry, back, time out for a second. Live events. What the heck would you, what would you call that like a, kind of event? And how would like you... Like a dental event, like, a, you know, an urgent care event, like um, not a, not a real estate specific event, but just like something where people go and meet up and you have vendors and booths and stuff. And oh, okay. Yeah. Like trade show type things. That's yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So those have been largely yeah. shut down. And so we've just been trying to be smart about how we build relationships. We've yeah. been trying to uh, network with them on LinkedIn. We've been trying to use our, our friends. We've been trying to have them on as guests on the podcast and have, and have conversations and be intentional about it and, so, you know, mailing them packages in the, in the mail and, and stuff like that. And so um, really like, yeah, yeah any, anything and everything to, to build a relationship. And, and, you know, it's not, we're trying not to be transactional about it. You know, we're trying to really get to know these people and, and develop friendships as well. But well, yeah, because um, I would imagine your ideal clientele, like you say, they're not one or two locations. They've got locations everywhere. You do a good job for them. You get your foot in the door. Theoretically, you know, the next time they need to expand, who are they going to talk to? Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So if you do a good job with them on that, you build a good relationship with them on the first one. I mean, that's you're gonna be working with these guys a lot, you know, a lot. Some of them are growing five, 10, 15 locations a year. I mean, that's that's a lot of conversations that need to be had. Now it sounds yeah, you're based in Orlando, but you're telling yeah. us about a client that's in Georgia. So are you guys kind of national or are you all over the place? Yeah. How do you, yeah, how do you we're do all your... over the place? I just got back from Texas, so out there a couple of times to do some site scouting with the client. And then, you know, we purchased a building in Lee's Summit, Missouri. We're about to purchase one in Alabama. And so, yeah, we just do it all over the place. Yeah. So you must have to find local commercial agents, boots on the ground kind of people to partner up with in those locations or? Kind of. I mean, we don't have to, you know, like we do have our own network partner to, you know, facilitate that we can get paid because it's just one of those things in commercial real estate. You, have, you just have to have, you know, local partners everywhere. But, um, but we, you know, really don't, the, the thing about using a local broker, it can work well, or it can kind of backfire. There's like three things really that, that we do like a little bit differently. And so what, you know, one thing is that we're not location bound. And what that means is sometimes a local broker can have location bias and, and simply put, you know, he's been there his whole life or he's been there a long time. He feels like he knows the area very well. Yeah. And he may not think that he needs to go drive the area, right. Or like physically look at it. And problem is like things change all the time. Some things come up available. Not everything hits CoStar or whatever program you're using to look at stuff. 
And so you physically have to go there and drive it. And so it's like, it would take me a long time to learn all of Dallas. Like that's a massive area that's got 14 to, you know, 18 different trade areas, but I can learn the trade area that our client wants to go to within a day. You know what I mean? Driving it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're not, I'd like to say we're not location bound. We're not lazy because, you know, while we're out there, we're going to be doing the due diligence. We're going to be driving around. And then we're, we're, we like to utilize technology. So a lot of brokers may not be as good as utilizing, utilizing technology that's available today. We're, we're not super young. We're in our early thirties, but we're a little bit younger than, than the average commercial real estate guy. And so we just will cross-reference Google Maps with CoStar with a local property appraiser, you know, to uncover every stone and find out like, if, even if there's a building that we go and we drive by, it's not listed anywhere. It's not for sale. Well, can we, you know, find out who the owner is and give them a call and see if we can make that happen? Yeah, because so, if you figure out that that's the perfect location for your client, right? You're, that's smart. Really, really smart. Yeah, I love how you guys are using the technology. Now, as we're kind of wrapping this up, Austin, because time flies when we're having fun, tell me a little bit about your podcast and also how you mentioned it earlier, how you're using this as a way to kind of get to know some of your, your ideal clientele, because I think that's really, really smart. So if you're okay to it uh, about it, tell us a little bit about your podcast and how you've used podcasting as a marketing tool. Yeah. Uh, you know, we want the podcast to be mutually beneficial. And so we also will use it as a way to build relationships and network with other people. And so what that means is if there's a client, who, somebody who we think would be the ideal client for us, we would invite them to come on to the show and figure out ways where they, they're also going to be benefiting from doing an interview. And so if that's somebody who's acquiring dental practices, then, you know, they can talk, we can talk to them about what makes their business unique, right? Like why would a doctor want to sell to them? You know, if we're talking really anybody's, anybody who, who has a business, like what is their unique selling point? What is their their niche, like, cause obviously they got something like they've been doing something right. If they pop up on our radar. So it's not, it's not like they're just a random, random person. And then, you know, making sure that we're generous with the content that like, we like to share the raw files. We like to share the links and stuff like that. And just helping them promote their business, you know, through the podcast and just creating these situations where every, everybody's benefiting from the time that they're investing into the show. Smart, really, really smart. So Austin, this has been a fun interview. I really appreciate it. Obviously, I enjoy all of my interviews, but this one was cool because I learned something quite new that I wasn't aware of before. So I appreciate that very much. If people want to find out more about you and, and what you're up to in the podcast, what should they do? Yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, go on to our website. It's just Leaders RE. That's like RE is in real estate. So leadersre.com. You can check us out there. You know, if you have questions or are interested in learning more about our investing in the um, dental practices or, you know, my email address is just Ahair's first initial last name, Ahair at leadersre.com as well. And yeah, we're happy to um, help and provide value where we can. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.